Church. We are here to help each other worship, live, and rescue like Jesus. For more info on who we are, go to cpmodesto.org. We've been walking through the last seven weeks, um, talking about our values, kind of where God has been leading us. And, and uh, this morning, I want to kind of wrap that up. But what I also want to do, it seems like a big task, but almost bring some context and wrap up the last few years. So it'll be about three hours, so you can settle in. And um, uh, You know, this week... Um, this week, uh, some friends of ours, um, really close friends who uh, we, we uh, have known for years when Sharon and I taught, um, they were our students and they got married and our kids are similar ages. And um, her mom uh, found out this week that uh, her body is pretty much riddled with cancer and the doctor said she's got about six months to live. Um, and so this, this couple, it's our friend's mom, and we know her really well. Um, she has a particular perspective because of the information she has. But what's interesting to me is that nothing's changed. Nothing changed this week that wasn't true a month ago or two months ago. She had a very different perspective two months ago because she wasn't feeling good, but she was okay. But she kind of just kind of kept going with her life as, as it was. But then she found out last week that uh, she's riddled with cancer and that the doctors say that she's got six months left. And with that information, even though it didn't change reality, it did change her perspective. Um, first thing she did was she booked... A, an Airbnb in August on uh, Lake Michigan for all of the family to come together and spend time together. Um, she went home and she began to clean out things in her home because she said she didn't want her husband and her kids to have to deal with all of that stuff. Those things weren't on her radar before she got the information about the brevity of her life and what's expected. But again, the reality of what was happening didn't change, just the information, and that changed her perspective. You know, we, we, we sometimes think about this question of, you know, what would you do, how would you live if you learned that you had this long left? And we kind of talk through that, that, that question, that, that idea. Um, I think maybe one of the questions we have is, is well, what, how would I live if I had no idea how much time I had left? Probably how we're living now <laughs> in a lot of ways. But it's interesting for our friend how her learning something about her life gave her a very different perspective as to how she was going to use the time that she had. And I think over the last few years, God has been showing us something that changes our perspective if we're listening. I think God's been trying to change our perspective. 
you know, we've, we've talked about these, these values the last six, seven weeks, about forever family, spiritual rhythms, discipleship, what it is and, and where we do discipleship and the Maranatha cry. And, and I just want to clarify that these aren't just things that we sat like in a think tank and came up with good, you know, marketable things. These are things that are threaded through scripture that identify and characterize the kingdom of God. That we'll go, we'll go back into the book of Acts next week when we jump back into that series. But what, what we'll see if we're thinking about these values is that you find these values throughout scripture identifying God's people and God's kingdom. And, 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 uh, and so what we've been walking through aren't just good ideas or maybe new things or old things or whatnot. It's actually what we see biblically identifying the kingdom of God, which we are part of, and identifying God's people. In Ephesians chapter 1, uh, Paul is talking about Jesus and his authority and his supremacy. And he says this in verse 21. He says, he says uh, about Jesus, he is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, covering everything, the visible and invisible powers and authorities, covering all of it, that Jesus is above all of those. And it says, and above every name that is named, no name higher, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he, God, put all things under Jesus' feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And we're familiar with this idea that, you know, like Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is the king. He's the head of the church. I've heard some people say, you know, Jesus is our senior pastor. But it's interesting, isn't it? How much does that play out as we work through the details and go through everyday life in church? Because you see, anything that doesn't look like Jesus isn't church. Anything in church that doesn't look like Jesus isn't church. It's just not, because he's the head of the church and he encompasses the church. His body is the church. It's his people called out through redemption. And I think it's interesting because I think most, most people in churches would say, yeah, Jesus, Jesus is head of the church, but, but we're in charge of this local church. And yeah, like we, we, we seek God and that kind of stuff, but, but you know, we have some pretty solid ideas on how to do things and where to go and what to do. And, and, I, think, and I think oftentimes it, it turns out that, that oftentimes it's almost the senior pastor versus King Jesus. Because when I think about that, I think, of, I think about how easy it is to look to the future and say, hey, this is what we are doing as a church. This is where we're going. This is the vision for the church. This is our five-year plan of what we will be. And here's, here's the thing that has really created some tension for me. It feels a little bit arrogant to think 
that God would tell me or anyone else around me what he's doing in five years from now and what we're going to look like. Because scripturally, biblically, what God tends to do when he calls people to himself is he doesn't give them the, 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 the map of where he's going or what he's doing. What he does is he calls them to surrender and to obey. Going back to Genesis 12 where, where God... It, interacts with Abraham, he says, I'm and he gives him a little picture, and he says, I'm going to make you a nation, and you're going to be my people. He doesn't tell him where he's going to go. All he does is say, I need you to surrender, trust me, and I want you to go. Leave your people and your father's land and come follow me. Where? Just follow me. For how long? Just follow me. But I just want to know where we're going. You're following me. And that's all God gives him. And, and over and over in scripture, we see God doing this. And, and I think in a lot of ways, the church has often sought vision without really seeking God. I think it's important to have a vision for, for a lot of things, but, but God, has, Jesus has already kind of given us his vision for the church. And oftentimes those things aren't things that we want to, rally around, like when he prays in, in John and he says, this is my vision for the church, that they would be one like you and I, Father, are one. I don't know that that shows up in the five-year vision of most churches, that they would be one with a global body of Christ like the Father and Jesus are one. That was Jesus' vision for the church. And so I think a lot of times we, we tend to seek vision without seeking God. And, and, and so basically what, what God does with, with his people oftentimes is he says, pack your bags, let's go. And here's how you're going to stay on the road faithfully to where I'm leading you. You're going to stay on the road faithfully because I'm going to give you values that will guard your way so that you stay on the road. And so, and so what we've been working and doing the last number of weeks is saying, look, these are the values that God has in his kingdom, and these are the values that will keep us on the road to where God's going, where he's leading us. Our forever family, the fact that we, if we are in Christ, we are forever connected, and when we run into tension with each other and issues with each other, we have to work those out. That will keep us on the road to where God is going because if we're gonna not work those things out, we're not gonna get to where God wants us to be. Spiritual rhythms, as Jesus has given us those things, the things that we do to pursue intimacy with Jesus, to know him, to sit at Jesus' feet and to know him beyond what we could ever know him otherwise, that will keep us on the road to where he wants us to go. Discipleship, obedience. Jesus said, make disciples of all people in all nations, Period. That'll keep us on the road to where God is leading us. And the Maranatha cry of eagerly anticipating and loving the return of Jesus, that will keep us on the road to where God's taking us. And so those things will flesh out in our lives. And, and, and so this morning, I want to I wanna touch on a prayer that Paul prays in Ephesians 3. If you have your Bibles, you can go to Ephesians chapter 3. Because this is what God wants for us. This is what he wants us to be. This is what he wants for our lives. And I want to read this, this passage, this prayer that Paul prays. 
And so he's specifically praying for the, the, the believers in Ephesus in the Ephesians church. And uh, yet he's praying for the people of God and what Jesus wants for us. So in, in verse 14 of Ephesians chapter three, Paul says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the father. His posture is surrender, obedience. It's a posture of prayer. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. There's, there's kind of a, a, a verbal cue here that Paul uses. He says, the Father of all fathers. And there's no family that exists that doesn't have its beginning in God the Father, the Father who's, who, by whom all families on earth are named, in heaven and on earth are named, the Father above all fathers, the Father before all fathers, the father greater than all fathers and the father that all fathers have come from, basically is what Paul's saying there. And he says um, that every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, that father's glory. So the question that we would ask is, what is the limit of the riches of God's glory? There's like no limit to the, to the riches of God's glory. So get the picture that, that Paul's, Posture is that he is on his knees in a, in a position of surrender to the father of all fathers whose glory has no boundary or cannot be contained according to that father that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. He may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being towards an end here, but I want to stop because, because here's, here's the thing. The father of all fathers who has infinite glory by that power that he would strengthen you and I in our inner being through the spirit so that the spirit is empowering us in our inner being towards something. Now, and and here's, here's the thing that I think is really important. If we are being given power in our inner being by the Father who has unlimited glory through his spirit and we are being strengthened in our inner person, is there anything that should tip us over? Like to think about that. If, if I am anchored and I am positioned in Christ, and that the Spirit, who has no limitation, is strengthening me in, in my inner person. There is an inner strength that, that, that should not be impacted by external things that happen. Now, it doesn't mean that, that everything's fine, but it does mean that I, very rarely, should I run into significant crisis I can have emotional responses to things. Our friends are really struggling with their mom's cancer. Uh, what's, what's happening there? And they should struggle with that because that's super hard. But they're also strengthened in their inner person by the, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the God who's the father of all, who has unlimited glory 
And I think a lot of times we rely on ourselves rather than the power that is given to us through the Spirit because we get so easily tipped over by external things. Like, I just don't know that something that Target does should tip over people who are anchored and rooted in Christ Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. I just don't know that that should tip anyone over. I mean, it's not, not that it doesn't matter, but man, here, here's, 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 I think in a lot of ways it's a distraction because here's, here's, what, here's what Paul says. He says, power through the spirit in your inner being so that what? So that Christ may dwell, abide in your hearts through faith. So Christ may dwell, he may be positioned, abiding, forever present in your hearts through faith. That Jesus is in you, with you, he's dwelling, that you are dwelling with him. That you are together. That you being rooted and grounded in love. Isn't that interesting that, that we are told to be rooted and grounded in love? So what that means is that when I am reacting in anger, I'm finding my base somewhere other than being rooted and grounded in love. So he says, being rooted and grounded in love, that is the mark of one who is strengthened in their inner being by the Spirit, by the Father of all fathers. It says, you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to what? To comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth of what? To know the love of Christ. That we may be able to understand and know the love of Christ. Here's the thing. If I know that I am loved by Christ and I am experiencing that and I understand the depth and height and width of his love, that actually fixes a lot of things. I think it fixes everything if we really believe it and we understand it. With his love, if I understand it, in fact, he goes further. He says that you can comprehend and know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And here's what I think we come to, something that's really relevant for our culture in particular. In a lot of ways, I think I've been raised in a context, and maybe you have too, that you have, have learned that you can knowledge your way into the love of God, or you can information your way into understanding God's love. Like, I need to make sure I have a sermon each week at church so I can get information to learn about God's love. I don't know that that's necessarily what Scripture teaches. He says that you know the love of God, the love of God, the love of Jesus Christ that surpasses knowledge. It is something that goes beyond what we can inform or, or get. It's something that we will experience. And here's how we experience it, by sitting at the feet of Jesus. Is by, by becoming intimate with Jesus. And we've been talking about this. You and I will not know the love of Jesus unless we sit at the feet of Jesus. And that seems unproductive. When Jesus was, was visiting a home in Bethany, there's a group of men gathered around and they were learning from Jesus. And you had Mary and Martha in the home, and Martha was in the kitchen. That's not a bad thing, she was doing good things. But Mary was offending everyone by sitting at the feet of Jesus in the room full of men, which was offensive to everyone. And Jesus said, 
for all of us to know that Mary made the right choice. She made a better choice than Martha. She made a better choice than all the men sitting in that room. Because you know what? She was sitting at the feet of Jesus. See, sometimes the most productive things that I think I can be about are least productive in the kingdom of God. And the things that I think I'm not doing anything, like sitting at the feet of Jesus, are the most effective things that I can do in the kingdom of God. Doesn't mean I don't do anything. But if the love of Christ goes beyond knowledge or information, it means that there's some other way that I understand his love, and that is by sitting at his feet and being intimate with Jesus. And then he says this, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. What I love about that, what I love about that is that Paul says that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. There's good news and bad news there. There's good news in that it is possible because he said it, it's possible that you can be filled with all the fullness of God right now. Whatever your body can contain, you can, can, you can be filled with all the fullness of God as you understand and experience the love of Jesus. The scary thing about it is that I cannot be filled with the fullness of God. And probably more often than not, I'm not filled with the fullness of God because I go off track. And, and, so, and so what I love about what Paul prays here is he prays something that's really, really focused on who we are called to be and what flows out of who we are called to be. And, and so one of the things that I think I've struggled to have words for over the last couple years is what God is doing. Basically, if you don't know this, we've been in a pretty significant transition. As individuals, as a culture, as the globe has been in a transition. Um, that's not new. <laughs> that's been happening for a while. Things are happening really quickly and changing very fast. Part of what we need to do is recognize that we're in transition and normalize it. Because if we don't, you see, transition doesn't stop happening when we just ignore it or pretend it's not there. These friends of ours, they could ignore what the doctor said and say, well, okay, fine, but you know what? I'm not, I'm, I'm fine. I don't have cancer. That doesn't change anything. It actually is helpful for them and the family to recognize that this is where we are. We need to recognize it, normalize it, and then make plans to accomplish what's important and to live in the moments of what is important. And here's the thing about transitions in our lives. One of the most important moments in our lives and how God shapes us is in these transitions. Those hard moments, those moments that it's a little bit diff more difficult than others. And the problem for me at least, and maybe you love being in transitions. Maybe you're one of those people who's like, yeah, I love it. It's great. I love, I love a lot of unknown. I love not having control. And I love like not knowing exactly where things are going. And maybe that's you and, and good for you. Um, enjoy your life. Uh, 
But for me, I want out because I can't control that moment. I don't like it. Now, the problem with that attitude is that that's exactly where God wants me. He wants me in that moment because that's where he shapes my life. I said this probably, I don't know, probably a couple of years ago. I did have some conversations with people, which was great, but I made a statement here that I don't know where we're going. I don't know where God is going with, with all that's happening. And that was true. I, I, I didn't. Um, but, but here's what I know, and here's what I knew, and I maybe couldn't express it at the time. I didn't really know where God was going, but I knew that I couldn't go back to where I had been. I didn't exactly know where God was going, but I knew I couldn't go back to where I had been. Uh, I don't know if you remember this. I remember this because I said it, and I've been thinking about it all along. But in January of 2021, we were meeting over in the pavilion, and I, I said, uh, I was on a Sunday, and I said, I don't know exactly where God's going, but here's what God has identified that we need to be about and we need to focus on as a church. And there was four things. One, it was reconnecting with an actually actual biblical worldview. One that recognizes the seen and the unseen and recognizes that what's happening in our world isn't just the faces that we see, but there are powers behind and beyond that that are moving that are the enemy and the faces we see might be making really bad choices or doing evil, but they also are recipients of God's grace and need the love of Christ and forgiveness in their lives. And the second thing I said was that, that we are being called to reconnect and learn from the global church, particularly the church in the East, because they've been where we're now experiencing things or maybe where we're going. So they have understanding about how to navigate culture and civilization that we don't know how to navigate. The third thing was that we will look at discipleship as it's taught in the Bible, not separate from evangelism, but discipleship and evangelism are, are one thing. And we disciple in obedience people who are both far from God and those who are close to God. And that we'll, we'll begin to understand and we'll do that. And then the last thing was that we will believe Jesus and take him at his word when he said, it is better for me to leave because you're gonna get the Holy Spirit who's going to guide and counsel and comfort. We're going to actually start engaging the Holy Spirit because Jesus said it's better for us to follow him and, and, and obey and listen and, and seek him. So those were the four things that, that I mentioned in January 2021 over the pavilion. And, and I don't know if you're watching this or not, but that's what we've been doing and talking about and living in since that day. That's what we've been doing for the last two years. And God's been giving us better detail and better direction and, and all of that. But, but see, what God did was said, hey, this is what the focus is and I will give you that. I just need you to obey and I need you to pursue this. And so for me at that point, I stopped fighting. And when I stopped fighting God to say, I need control, this is not convenient, this is not comfortable, when I finally gave up and stopped fighting, 
God did some things. And maybe you can identify with this. When I stopped fighting, God started to reveal and rehearse the values he wanted for me and for our church. When I stopped fighting, God started to heal some of my deep wounds. He brought me to a new sense of what it is to be a leader. I don't even know if leader is a good term for what he talked. And along the way, I got some hints as to where God's going with this. See, most of all, what I, what I realized was I began to realize that God was doing a deeper work within me. And maybe some of you have come to that place of realizing that God is doing a deeper work within you. And it's different. It might be hard. It's uncomfortable. You're not sure where it's going. See, what I realized is that what got me to this point will not get me to where God is going. So often it's easy for us to depend on God once we've expended ourselves. We go as far as we can and then we say, okay, God, help me. The problem with that is where I've gotten myself probably isn't where God wanted me in the first place. And so like for me, the sound that goes with surrender is that truck backing up sound. You know what I'm talking about? That's what it sounds like to me to surrender because I've gone to this place and God's like, back up. And so you hear the noise, the beeping sound, and I'm backing up because that's what surrender is. And that's when God says, no, no, I didn't want you to go all the way here in your own strength. I actually wanted you to, to follow me. And, and, and so, and so what, what I needed, what I realized I needed, and I have better words for this now, is I needed new ways of working through understanding and aligning with God's important work that he's doing today. The way I'd lived and the things that I'd done, while not wrong or bad, are not going to get me to where God is going today. And, and, and so... God has been doing a deeper work, but see, I would much rather, I found, to be honest, I would rather him let that deeper work go and just keep using me externally. Because that's way better. God using us externally is way better than God doing a deep work in you because that requires a whole lot of stuff. And frankly, when I was just being used externally and God not doing a deep work in me, uh, one, I was much more comfortable and I lost... I lost less friends. Because when God does a deep work in you, inevitably, it's going to hit people. And there will be people who don't like what is being done. And, and so, here's the thing, though. And this is the thing for you to decide and I know many of you have decided. Some of you probably are in the process of deciding. Maybe some of you have decided a different direction. But, but I and you must let him do that deeper work in us because if he doesn't, we will not be able to do the wider work for him. That's what's at stake. 
If I don't allow him to do the deeper work in me, he will not do the wider work through me. And that is difficult. But I don't know that my, me being stationary and enjoying where I have been is worth not doing a wider work for Jesus moving forward. And, and so what I kind of came to was just kind of let's quit trying to figure out what it looks like on the other end of things and choose to get all that we can out of this moment and go deeper with God. Sit at the feet of Jesus and say, yeah, I, I will, and I will obey whatever you tell me to do. Because he always tells us to do things. We're not unproductive. And so it's really easy. You know, we're, we're really, really obsessed with getting answers. We have answer keys for things. We, have, we like to jump to the back of a book sometimes. And, and just we like to have the answer for things. We go and look for the shortcut. And so for a long time, I think over these last few years, we've, we've all been saying, well, what's the answer? What's going on? What's, what's happening? I need an answer for some stability and here's the answer that God keeps giving us. Surrender. Nope. I don't like that answer. I would like an answer. Okay, the answer is surrender. You need to surrender. That's not what I'm asking. I'm asking what's happening, where we're going, what this looks like, what I can do to make sure that I'm going to be okay. Surrender. It's just not the answer I'm looking for. But surrender is always the answer that God gives his people throughout scripture. Trust me. Surrender, just like Abraham. You see, God's goal with the church is to renew, is the renewal of his church. And the renewal of God's church requires us to have capacity for this new work that he's doing. And when I say new work, nobody freak out because it's actually the old work he's always done because God only does one work. He redeems and he restores And so it's the same old work that he's doing, but for us, it feels new and different because we have slidden maybe so far into our own control and comfort and convenience that, that this looks different, <laughs> but it's actually all over the pages of scripture. We just haven't been living it out. We haven't been experiencing it because it just is so far from us. And, and you know, the Bible talks about New wineskins. You only need new wineskins if there's going to be new wine. I need to be able to contain what God is pouring out for us, for me. And that's why he has to do the deeper work in me. Renew me as he renews his church. When we talk about these values, forever family, spiritual rhythms, discipleship, Maranatha cry, these result in living, the result of living those values out will be to experience what Paul prays in Ephesians 3, knowing the love of Christ and being filled with all God's fullness. That's what will result out of those values being the guardrails on the road of where God is going. And here's what's interesting. I think it's, it's really easy to think and fall into this falsehood that God is stingy about what he wants us to know. 
that God doesn't readily give answers, that God is kind of like, yeah, you know what, I, I can only tell you so much. Here's the, here's the reality that we see in, in, in his word. God will tell us more than we want to know. <laughs> but we have to be in a particular posture. You see, revelation is the prize of surrender. God reveals things to us when we surrender to him. And so if I'm in a place where I'm like, you know, God just isn't speaking to me. I don't hear what God's saying. I don't, I don't see the path that God's giving me. That might be because I'm not surrendered. Because the prize of surrender is revelation. God reveals his, his desires and his plans. If I'm willing to surrender, he's willing to reveal. Here's the thing. It's a painful and hard process. God revealing those things to us is difficult. But here's the warning. I think this is super important to recognize because I have seen so many people fall to this. There are off-ramps at every point of faith challenge. There are off-ramps at every point of faith challenge. Off-ramps are opportunities, they're options, they're distractions that cause us to jump out of the process that God has us in. And here's the thing. They're not all evil and bad. Like there's not like a prostitute on every off-ramp. Oftentimes there's really great things and things that, that you might even say, I could be fulfilled spending my life doing this thing. But those off-ramps are taking us off the place that God says, I need you here, I want you here because I want to do a deeper work in you so you can do a wider work for me. And those off-ramps will be tempting. It's one of those things where you can leave or plateau or you can chase after God. In the last two weeks, I let go of one of my off-ramps. And it was hard. I've had something that I have wanted and been dreaming about and something that I really, really want. And over the last few weeks, God, as much as I was trying to ignore him, he identified that thing as an off-ramp. And it's not a bad thing. Not a bad thing at all. No one would think less of me. But it's an option and an opportunity that distracts me from the work that God wants to do in me so that I can do a wider work for him. But here's what I know. Here's what I know about myself over the last few years. I've never been more satisfied with Jesus alone in my life. Never. Never been more satisfied with Jesus, simply Jesus, than I've ever been before. I've never had more love and urgency for those who don't know Jesus. I don't know that my love and urgency for those who don't know Jesus really tipped the scale much. My, my words did, but I don't know that my life did. But I've never 
had more love and urgency for those who don't know Jesus. And I've never been more lovesick for the return of Jesus. I don't know if I would ever describe myself as lovesick for Jesus. But today, right now, I've never had more passion and desire for Jesus to return. Not just to fix what's wrong, because that's also right up there with my desire, my love and urgency for those who don't know Jesus. These things don't make life easy at all. Life is still complicated, difficult, and super frustrating sometimes. What I'm realizing is that I used to defend what I've done or what I have, but now I just want to be a part of what God is doing. And I think there's a difference. I think the difference is that I think I lived more in a place of preservation, preserving myself, and God shifted me to living more in a place of perseverance out of obedience to him and letting him preserve me rather than me having the good ideas. And so I share that with you this morning because we're finishing a series called Who We Are and What We Do, and this is it. God is doing something right now. It's hard, but it's worth it fully surrendered and obedient to Jesus, allowing him to do a deeper work in you so you can do a wider work for him because he's moving. And I don't know the day or the time that he returns, but man, the signs of birth are growing exponentially. And so as we... As we do, I'm going to share communion together. And I think what's really, really cool is that when Jesus, with his disciples, was there in that room, he struggled with the deep work that God was doing. Jesus was in that garden and he said, Father, if there's any way that this cup can pass, let it pass. But God said, no, no, this is the deep work that has to be done for the wider work of salvation for all of humanity. Imagine if Jesus didn't participate in the deep work in that moment. And so Jesus with his disciples, he... He said, this bread is, is my body that will be broken for you. That you can recognize that I endured this deep work that God did for your salvation. And I'm calling you to pr pursue and chase God toward that same work in your life. Let's take and eat the bread. And then Jesus took the cup. He said, this is the blood of the covenant, my covenant with you. 
that I will shed my blood for on your behalf so that your sins can be forgiven and you can have intimacy with, with the Father, that you actually will be welcomed at Jesus' feet to learn and love him and to understand the depth of the love of Christ and to be filled with the fullness of God. That's what this reminds us of. What it cost Jesus for us to have intimacy with him. So let's take the cup. If you were to ask me what I think the future looks like for the church, I think it looks beautiful. I think it's messy and hard and it's gonna take a lot of a lot of surrendering on our part, but I think it looks incredible because of what God is doing, because of who God is, because of his character. And I do believe that as we continue to pursue the values that he's laid before us, they will keep us on the road to where he's going. And that road leads to face-to-face -face with him with all of those who have come with us because of our surrender and obedience to Jesus. I wanna pray for us this morning and I invite the prayer team to come forward. And if you need prayer this morning, I would encourage you to come forward after I pray, whether it's to just even talk to someone or to be prayed for or to just be encouraged. Father, we come before you today and I, I thank you so much for how deeply you love us I thank you that it is possible for us to know your love through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the example of Jesus Christ. I pray that you would, you would continue to do the deep work in us as we, as we surrender to you more and more so that we can participate in the wide work that you are doing and have yet to do. God, we thank you that you are patient with us. And so we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you feel inspired and moved by what God is doing here at Crosspoint. Point.